be seated. Good morning. Lord is good. And all the time. Amen. We want to confirm and affirm that our Lord is always good. And it's good to come together as a people, as the household of God, to worship Him, to learn about from His Word and from each other. Today is uh, Pentecost Sunday. So it's a special day because today was the time when the Holy Spirit came and the church was born. So it's the birthday of the church in a way. Okay, so we'll, this morning we'll consider and reflect on some of the important aspects of Pentecost Sunday. Now, the word, Pentecost is one of the three major festivals of, uh, during the time of Jesus. Okay, from the time of the uh, tabernacles and the temple and un- until the time of Jesus, it was one of the three major festivals. Okay, first is Passover. Second is Pentecost. And third is Tabernacles. And in all these three festivals, all the male members of the Jews, Jewish people, the Israelites, have to come to Jerusalem and worship at the temple. Okay? So you think coming to church in the morning every Sunday is difficult. But can you imagine... If you stay in Rome or in far away, and then you have to go all the way to Jerusalem to celebrate the three festivals. So, you know, it, it took, sometimes, you know, it takes about two, two, three months just to travel. So you might as well stay in Jerusalem. So Pentecost comes from the Greek word 50th. So the festival is celebrated on the 50th day after Passover. That's why it's called the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of 50 Days. Okay. And certain churches, okay, they decorate their altar with a red okay, because red is the color of the Holy Spirit. So they, they will have a decoration and a, because we welcome the Holy Spirit. So that is Pentecost. And our text today is from Acts chapter 1, verse to 12, which was uh, Connie read it just now. Okay. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You know, this group of 120 who was with Christ, and they, they are the ones who saw Christ ascended. Now, Christ ascended about 40 days after he died and resurrected. So 40 days, Pentecost is 50 days. So they, you know, uh, uh, Passover, about three days. So it's about one week after uh, Christ ascended, the Holy Spirit came. They were asked the question, why don't Christ go up, Holy Spirit come down immediately? Why the, the four, uh, uh, seven days difference? I think there is something about Pentecost because Pentecost is the festival of harvest. I think that there is significance in the Holy Spirit coming down on the day of harvest. When I was preparing this sermon, as I read the first 
this line, and they were all together in this place, I cried. I wept. Because I remember a few days ago, we were all here in Graceland, giving thanks to the Lord. Okay? I cried not because I saw Elder Cole's hairy legs. I cried because it was a cry with joy. Because this small group of people are here because we have a piece of land. And this piece of land was it's purely by grace because it's a religious plot of land. Okay? You know, Malaysia is so hard to get a religious plot of land. We should have normal land, we should convert. So God gave us this piece of land. If it's religious, that means you can just go ahead and build church. And it was offered to us, and we don't have the money for it. And I, I really applaud the faith of our leadership that we decide straight away to buy it and then ask the Lord. Okay. So we bought it. Okay. And then within three years, we paid off the whole amount without borrowing from the bank. It's from you, all of you, who come out of your own pocket, your hard-earned money, that we ever purchase it. That's why I wept. Because I wept because I see the Holy Spirit in this church. I see the Holy Spirit working in each one of us. Okay. So a small church like us can buy the land which will be the future expansion. So when the day came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violin wind come from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. You see, when God made his presence, there's thunder and lightning, and they, they felt this sound of wind coming. And they saw what seems to be tongues of fire that separated the rest of each one of them. Notice that there's only one fire, but many tongues, and the tongues separated. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and still in other tongues that the Spirit enabled them. Okay. So what's the significance of speaking in other tongues? Now you notice that they were staying in Jerusalem because it was Pentecost. Okay. God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. You, you must remember, at that time, the writers of the Old Testament and New Testament, the whole world, the whole na- all the nations is different because their west ends about Afghanistan, the east ends about Spain, the northern part is the Germanic state, and the southern part is Egypt. That is the whole world to them. Okay? They don't know about China, they don't know about Australia. Okay? Not yet anyway. But that, when they say the whole world, the gospel or the biblical writer says the whole world, it means that that area. And given the different, uh, when the Assyria captured the northern kingdom and the people, were, they took the, all the people in Isaiah and they plant them all over the world. The, west, the western part, Parthia, uh, Elam, Okay. And the people, and then when the Judah was taken by the Babylonians, they planted them, uh, or they, they sort of uh, lo- relocated them in different parts of Babylon. So you find that in all the known world, there are Jewish establishments 
or Jewish communities. And these communities grew because Jeremiah says, bless the community you are in and, and uh, do business with them. So they grew and they began to learn the language of wherever they are. So after a while, they become their language. So that's why when they come and they, they are from different people. They say they are all from Galilee. They are from uh, uh, Judea. How is each one hear and understand each other's language? Okay. Then here Leo talks about the Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus. You know, when, when we read this, usually when we read through this list of things, our mind blanko. Okay, we just skip from one. Okay, same as when we read about genealogy, you know, who we get who, we just zoom through. But there is significance in all this. Because they hear the wonders of God in their own tongues, amazed and perplexed, they ask one question, what does this mean? And I think this morning we'll consider what does this mean that all the people can hear each other and understand each other. And to understand that, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to Genesis 10 and Genesis 11. Okay, that the three festivals, I've mentioned that, and then understanding of different lands. So in the time of Genesis 10, it is after the flood and the Noah's Ark. Okay? And the descendants of, Shem, of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jesper. Okay, So you can see that the descendants are beginning to spread all over the place, all over the known world. That's why you say the known world is about up to here, uh, up to here. Okay? And that is the known world. Okay? According to ancient... Uh, Near East studies, that is the known word to them. That is the world. Okay? And they are beginning to spread. And then remember the incident in Genesis 11 when they built the tower? Okay? It says, Let us build a tower to reach out to the sky so that we can make a name for ourselves and we will not be uh, driven into di- uh, different countries. Okay. So, Scholars have said that this, the, the land, the Bible says, is the plain of Shina. We do not know where it is exactly, but we believe that it's about around Nimrod or in Mesopotamia. Okay. So God heard that, God came down and saw that building this uh, tower or the real heaven. And God says, if one people with one language can do this, what other things impossible can they do? So God confused their voices, okay? confused their language, make them have different language and disperse them to the whole earth, which means all this part of the earth. Now, why, why do you think God do that? did that? Okay? Created different languages. I mean, they are building a tower, so, so good. Nah? I mean, they are trying to worship God, isn't it? A recent study, okay, an archaeologist discovered this place called Etimidi. 
okay, in uh, Babylon. Okay. It's a ziggurat. A ziggurat is a, a pyramid, but instead of smooth, they have a platform. So this is, they believe that the real, the tower of Babel. Okay. And this tower is not to worship Yahweh or Elohim. This tower was to worship the god Madok, the fire-eating god, the god that demands human sacrifice. So you see that people have gone, get together and begin to worship other gods. That's why God has to confuse their language and disperse them. Okay? Because they have uh, strayed away from worship one god. So that's why you understand why Genesis 10 and Genesis 11 occurs. So coming back to our present uh, study, okay, and you see that the region mentioned by uh, Luke is that the Parthians around here, Midis, okay, Elamites, Mesopotamia, okay, and then Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Piperia, okay, uh, Pamphylia, uh, Libya, Cretan, Arab. Okay. And the Holy Spirit came and all the people, okay, when they were dispersed, the uh, scholars think that there were about 70 nations. Okay. And at the time of Acts, there were about 70 nations speaking 15 languages or language group. And when the Holy Spirit came, Okay, you can notice that all of them begin to understand each other. So Genesis 10, God confused them because, and they speak different language and you can't understand each other. Holy Spirit came and they add all we can understand each other. What is significant in this is that Holy Spirit comes to start a new work of reconciliation, of bringing back his people into the kingdom of God. So that's why the la- different languages. And what is interesting, somebody, one of the scholars noted is that it seems to be moving from uh, east to west. And this is exactly what Paul's missionary journeys are. They are moving from east to west. Okay? He was actually going to want to go this way but the, he had a vision from Main of Macedonia go over to Greece. So they from the east to west to Spain, which is the furthest end of the earth. So it's a period of reconciliation. So why Pentecost? Because Pentecost is a day of harvest, a celebration of harvest. And the Holy Spirit came in this celebration of harvest to bring the people of God back to God. That's why they can understand each other, the significance, the the whole text is the building of the people of God and bringing the people of God. And this morning, we'll consider three aspects of what the Holy Spirit do. Empowerment, encouragement, and engagement. So for empower, when we talk about power, what does come to mind? Okay, Supergirl or Superman, you know, with 
superpower, superhuman strength, can fly, bulletproof. And those of you who watch uh, Avengers Endgame will know what that is. Okay. Our concept of power is always might and violence. Always might and violence. And then, even then, in Jesus' time, that's what they think. If the Holy Spirit comes, if they have power, they will overthrow the Roman Empire overnight. And they become the superpower. Okay? But that's not what the Lord has in mind. The Lord says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Okay? You're not supposed to overthrow the Roman Empire. You are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. You are to be sought and light to the world. So the Holy Spirit comes to give us power to be sought and light, to be His witnesses. And believe me, it's not easy to be a witness for God. Okay. Because to be a witness of God, we have, it depends on what we do how we do it, our attitude, our belief, our lifestyle. Because people look at us, Christians, and say, yeah, this is a Christian. So what's so special about Christians? If you are the sort and light, you know, hey, this is a Christian. I want to be like them. That's why the power of weakness. You know, the first time the Christian were mentioned in ancient times, outside the Bible. It's by this uh, uh, Roman writer called Pliny the Younger. He's called Pliny the Younger because his father is Pliny the Older. Okay. And you talk about this sect of Jewish called Christians. Okay. At that time, Christian is a, a bad word. Okay. It's a derogative term. You say, this sect of Jews called Christians not only help and love one another, but they also help our poor and our sick. That is the weakness. Not only love each other, but also love the, the other people who are not, doesn't belong to their group. The otherness. And I think that is a good weakness. Okay. So the power that comes is to make us good witness, to be sort of earth. And the power that comes is so that we can live a life in Christ. We can grow spiritually. Okay? What is the whole principle of being alive in Christ? Okay? Last uh, month, I was invited to uh, give a few sessions to the leaders of the Methodist Church. Spiritual formation and discipleship in the second half. Nowadays, I seem to get a lot of invitations to talk about growing old. I don't know why. I'm still very young. And the main uh, theme of my talk is that we are always growing spiritually. There's always spiritual formation and discipleship. At all age, not only when you're young, in faith or chronological age, but also even when we are old. Okay, until the Lord calls us, we are always have to be spiritual, growing spiritually and in spiritual form. Okay, it is, you don't, just because you reach a certain age, you can retire and say, I don't have to grow anymore. 
The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says, keep on growing and growing and growing in Christ. Okay. And what does that mean to grow in Christ? To grow in Christ is to put off the false self and put on the true self. That means we develop a false self. Okay. As in, even in our mother's womb, we, uh, and then as we grow, we give the false self to become what we think other people want us to be. To show that we are better than everybody else. So, so that we are good, we are perfect. So this is a false self. And, but there is also our true self, which is who God created us to be. Okay? God created us to be special, unique, our true self. So you find that the Bible talks about the false self as the fallen nature of God, the old man, old self, old nature, the heart of stone. Okay, Ezekiel says, your true self is the heart of flesh. Our flesh to live, natural man, new creation. Okay. So it's not easy to give up our false self and to develop or discover our true self. Paul himself struggled with it. You read Romans 7. He says, wretched man am I. I do the things I do not want to do, but what I want to do, I do not do. So it's a struggle for us. And that is spiritual growth. Okay? Of the false self to become the true self. Okay? The false self, the me that I've created to get by without God and to get my needs meet, met apart from Him. Okay? It's a force. It's a idealized. It's something that we created so that we can survive without God and get by without Him. While the true self is the authentic, original me. Free from pretense as God intended and as I am now in Christ. Okay? In our spiritual life, we must grow towards being the authentic self. That means we don't have to pretend anymore. Okay? We are who we are because we are in Christ. That means you don't have to put on appearances, try to please people, try to do this. You just have to be authentic. Okay? Security and significance is achieved by what we have, what we can do, and what other thing of us. Okay, so the false self is that what we depends very much on what we have, what we can do, and what other people think of us. Okay, a lot of time we do things because we ex- think that people expect us to do it. Okay, we dress a certain way, we drive a certain car because that's what people expect of you. Okay, security and significance is achieved by being deeply loved for God. It's not, not in what you do. It's in who you are because God loves you. Okay. Happiness is sought in autonomy from God and through attachments. Okay. We get attached to many things. Okay. Playing golf, okay. uh, going to the movies, uh, uh, having relationships and all that. Okay. Because these are attachments and things that can make us happy. But the journey towards the true self is to remove all attachment so that your fulfillment is found in dependency on God and strengthened to Him to living our vocation, our calling. 
And the false self, the identity is actually an idealized one. You create yourself. Who we want other people to think we are. Okay, that's the false identity that we create. And we wear it and we move around every day. And we are so concerned on what other people think of you. The true self is who we are and becoming in Christ. That is our identity. Okay. And because of that, the false self takes a lot of effort and control to become that. Because it's an idealist one. So we have to work very hard to maintain our false self. That's why we are always tired. We are always busy. Because it takes a lot of work. Okay. And then we get frustrated very easily. Because we are so stressed out. And when we frustration, we become anger. Okay? And we are very angry people. You know, anything pop, then we boom. World War Three. Real self is maintained by grace and the Holy Spirit. It's received as a gift with gratitude and surrender. So it's not so much easier to be your real self. Receiving from God. You don't have to work so hard to be somebody you are not, to be, pretend to be what, okay? It's an embrace illusion of attempting to become a God when the reality is that we are transformed from God. So, it, uh, and, uh, unnatural and false because it results in pride, arrogance, and def- defensiveness. That is a false self. And our whole life journey is actually moved from the false self to the real self. With humility, love, and openness. So the life in our life in Christ is moving from the false self to the real self. Sometimes you think that our journey isn't so much about becoming anything. But it's more about unbecoming everything that really isn't you. So that you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. Who God created you to be. That is the spiritual journey, moving from the false self to the self. And we can't do it by ourselves. We, can't, we can do it only by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us by giving us the fruit of the Spirit. As we move into the, the real self, we begin to bear the fruit, not, it's fruit, not fruit, sir, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Love, joy, Goodness that is not based on circumstances. Peace. Okay. Contentment. Unity between people. Patience. Slow down. Slow to speak. And slow to anger. Okay. Kindness. Merciful. and Goodness. Generous and open-handed. Faithfulness. Dependable. Loyal and full of trust. Gentleness. Humble. Calm. Non-irritating non-threatening and self-control behaving well. So that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit okay, given us by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us by spiritual gifts. Okay. And spiritual gifts there is a longer list of all spiritual gifts. And I believe that every church has all the spiritual gifts. It's only 
the Holy Spirit gift, every church always gives, because the spiritual gifts are to build up the church. It's only, but the, the sad thing is that many of us do not recognize what is our spiritual gift. Many of us do not major on what is our spiritual gift. Because every church, no matter how big or small, will have all the spiritual gifts. So the Holy Spirit gives the gifts, but we have to learn to use the gift. One of my spiritual gifts is pastor teacher. So I spend a lot of time teaching. And uh, the Lord has opened many doors for me to teach. Okay, not in this only in this church, but in other churches. Okay, I preach almost every Sunday when I'm not preaching here. Okay, and uh, next month I'll be going to Indonesia uh, for one week in a Bible seminary, and then the, after that I'll be going to uh, Melbourne for another week of teaching. Okay, so and major on your gift. Find out what your gift is and use it. Because when you serve the Lord using the gift, there's a satisfaction there. There's a power there. And then it's knowing that you are in the view of God. So the Holy Spirit comes from empowerment. The Holy Spirit also comes to encourage us. Okay? He encourages us by His presence. If He's inside us, we cannot get rid of Him. And by His presence... We know that we are not alone. I know that many of us or many are in a dark place. The world is messy and not what we expected. Some of us are struggling with diseases, cancer, diabetes, hypertension. Okay? When our body begins to fail us, we get depressed, we get anxious. The economy is not good. Okay? US and China is having a trade war. And when two elephants fight, everybody gets trumpet on the feet. So what is the future for our economy? Your retirement becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. Our it becomes deeper. Okay? So you worry and there's dark. Okay? You lose loved ones. And suddenly you feel like you are all alone. Okay, your children grow up and leave home. And you are all alone. And the Holy Spirit says, you are not alone because I am with you all times. I have friends, I have news coming from China okay, of the, the persecution of the whole, uh, home church. Okay, uh, quite a number has been arrested. And words struck out from prison, they said they are kept in isolation, they've been mistreated, they've been persecuted. And these are people say that they feel they are alone. Okay? And their courage comes from the Holy Spirit. They say they are not alone. Not only those in prison, but those families that are not in prison but worried about them. Okay? Because there's no trial. When will they be released? Will they be released? So this uncertainty is scary. Make you feel alone. And the Holy Spirit said, you are not alone, for I am with you. The recent election in Jakarta, okay, the, the, the loser says that if I do not win, I will have a riot in Jakarta, which actually happened. 
And during the time of riot, there was a, a viral, uh, something viral went through the internet, saying that the police who put down the riot are from China. Okay? China sent his, their police force to Jakarta to help to put down the riot. Doesn't make sense. Why would China be involved in Jakarta? Okay? But that went viral, and many people believe that. So the Chinese, especially Chinese Christian in Indonesia, is under threat. And I'm going to Indonesia next year, next month, oh dear. Okay? They are specifically looking out for Chinese Christian. So my friend wrote to me and says, I'm scared. I dare not go out. But I do not feel alone because God is with me. So the Holy Spirit encourages by His presence. So whatever dark place you are, you know, whatever depression you are in, okay, you are not alone. But God is there. And God, the Holy Spirit encourages by body life. Okay? And this is our whole, uh, Passover meal at SFI seminar. And I love all these dear sisters here. Because God gives us one another to help one another. God works through us. You know, because we all have the same amount of the Holy Spirit in us. That's why we can love and enjoy each other because we are the same people. Have you ever been traveled to another country or another place and meet another Christian and suddenly you find you click very well? Because we have the Holy same Holy Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit encourages us by his body presence and by spiritual direction. Okay. Remember the on the Emmaus road, the two disciples after Jesus was crucified, they're walking to Emmaus and they're saying, I don't know why, you know, the, the teacher is being crucified. And then suddenly there was a third person walking with them and explain to them from the uh, Old Testament why it happens. And then they discover that it's Jesus. So spiritual direction is a ministry where one person helps another person to discern the direct movement of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Spiritual direction is not a, a, a title. It's a function. Same like Pastor is not a title, it's more of a function. Okay. What's the difference between spiritual direction and counseling? Okay. Counseling is when you have a problem and a counselor will work with you to solve the problem. Okay. Spiritual direction is that when you have a, a question, what shall we do with your life? What direction you should you do with your life? Or you want to go deeper into Christ. Okay, into spiritual growth. So you walk with a spiritual director who will help you to discern what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Not what the director wants you to do, but what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Okay? So a spiritual director is somebody to help you to discern okay, what the Holy Spirit is saying. So that's the difference between counseling and spiritual direction. Okay? Now, and this church has the ministry of spiritual have counseling and also spiritual direction. Okay. Ever since the, the formation of the spiritual uh, formation institute, I have been giving spiritual direction. Okay. It's the only thing that is not well known. 
And when uh, our brother Roger brought up the fact that in the last AGM that we should put uh, counseling as one of the ministry, then I realized, oh yeah, maybe we should put spiritual direction as one of the ministry so that people know it. Because so far, it, it didn't occur to me is because God sent the person to me. I don't go around and say, oh, we've got a spiritual director here, anybody want to come? Okay? Usually, the God, God will direct the person to us, to me, and then I will walk with them. Okay? So we do okay, have a, a, a ministry of spiritual direction, and you're all welcome to come and join me. Okay? So the Holy Spirit comes from empowerment, encouragement, and engagement. Okay? Engagement because we have the Holy Spirit inside us. Okay? And the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why I love this uh, Celtic Tetrad that have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and in this continuous line. And this circle means the whole of creation is under there. Okay. So, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is in a dance, in a perichoresis, in a communion. And because we have been justified by Christ, and now we have the Holy Spirit in us, we are invited to join the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in their communion. And that is a great privilege. Okay. We are just being invited as by grace alone, not by what we do. So that's the Holy Spirit engaging and the Holy Spirit praying for us. Okay? Romans 8 says, in the same way the Spirit prays or uh, uh, helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through worthless groans. So that means the Holy Spirit is praying for us all the time. And this worthless groan, I can imagine the Holy Spirit say, oh no, Alex, he did that again. Ah, oh, his palm face. Yeah, I think this groaning for me. You know, you know why, is, why do you want to do that? Ah? I, oh, that's the Holy Spirit groaning for me. And he who searched our hearts know the mind of God's spirit because the spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the view of God. That means the Holy Spirit is always praying for each one of us. Okay? We have a personal intercessor who never gives up, never tires. Of course, we must pray for one another. Okay? And I appreciate this church for always praying for my ministry or what I, God has asked me to do. Okay? So we need to continue to pray for one another. I think that's so important. But know that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Okay, remember, He gives us fruit, okay, but He also gives us a gift. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we do not hear about this often. This, okay, the seven gifts in Isaiah 11, verse 1 to 2. A shoot will come out from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Okay, we're talking about Messiah. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding and the spirit of counsel and of might 
the spirit of knowledge in the fear of the Lord. So these are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us so that we can engage with the world. The spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, okay, and fear of the Lord. Okay, piety and fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is actually repeated in piety. So these are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came on this special day to start the church and transform the members into a people of God for the kingdom of God. It is the beginning of the new faith, the fulfillment, the beginning of the new covenant. There is not just coming, the Holy Spirit coming, Pentecost, but the Holy Spirit beginning the work of reconciling his God's people into his kingdom. I think it's something that we need to think about. Where are we? How do we deal with the Holy Spirit? We are more, most of the time we are just focused on the Holy Spirit's gift for the Holy Spirit. His spiritual gift, his gift. But we don't think much about the person of the Holy Spirit. I think that we need to spend time looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and thinking about his empowerment his encouragement. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this time of reminder of the knowledge, grace, of the gift of the Holy Spirit comes down and dwell within us and empower us, be your witnesses to grow in Christ that give us special gifts to build up the church and one another. A spirit that encourages us in our times of darkness and depression, that encourages us through one another, encourages us and to engage us, invite us into the communion, to engage us, help one another. Father, we just want to ask, Lord, the Holy Spirit to continue to work in our lives. Ask that you will, we will let ourselves, open ourselves to let the Holy Spirit work in our lives. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.